you know where your home is? Can you give directions to your home? Now, if you came to a church service on Sunday morning, I would hope that when you drove to church, you could turn around and just follow the exact directions back. But suppose you were needing to give someone directions to your home. Perhaps it was an emergency, an ambulance, police officer, and they didn't have GPS. Could you give them directions to your home? Could you tell somebody how to get to your home? You should be able to. And the reason is because it's obviously important. If I offered you $100 for directions to your house, could you give me directions to your house? I would think most of you could. Keep that in the back of your mind. I want you to understand when we look at this, you know your way home. You should be able to give, <laughs> this is a cute little picture of here, a person, the home, you know, you're here, how do you get home? How do you get home? And the idea is, is that you should be able to do that. Now, let me digress. As we talk about home, home in the Bible is a place of rest, it's a place of refuge, it is a place of blessing, peace, and security. And the idea of a home or a house is throughout all the Bible. I don't know if you know that. That it, sometimes you talk about just going to somebody's home or you've got passages like Proverbs 14, excuse me, Proverbs 3, um, 3.33 that says, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, the home of the wicked, because that home doesn't have peace inside of it, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Proverbs 25, verse 17 says, let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or literally his home or he will become weary of you. So God gives wisdom on how you deal with someone else's house, someone else's home. And sadly, one of the passages I've been seeing come to fruition too often is Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. I've seen too many people destroying their homes lately. And I don't know about you, but I do love my home. And I've been putting this message together. I do see it as a place of refuge, a place of blessing. And about 10 years ago, this wasn't anything that I had planned. So I did this 10 years ago. I, we have the ability with our phones and iMusic to put together playlists. And I put together a playlist of songs with the title Home that sing about home. And I had songs like Take Me Home by um, Phil Collins. There's the song Home by Philip Phillips. So that'd be a cool name, Philip Phillips. Homeward Bound by Simon Garfunkel. And these are secular songs, right? Um, and then Brian told me before the service, today is International Beatles Day. Well, there's two songs that the Beatles have out there. She's Leaving Home, okay, by the Beatles, or When I Get Home by the Beatles. But one of my favorite is by Nat King Cole, Walking My Baby Back Home. I don't know if any of you like these songs. But I didn't put in my playlist, Sweet Home Alabama or John Denver's Take Me Home, you know, Country Road. But one of my favorite songs was by a friend of Jason's who came here years ago, Lynn Stone King, and she sang the song, This World Is Not My Home. Why? Because heaven is my home. And I don't know if you've thought about it, but the Bible emphasizes for believers that we are just passing through. My home is in heaven. I am just traveling through this world. The Bible speaks about our citizen heaven and citizenship in heaven. Think about this passage. 
Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, but we are of good courage and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. For believers, do you see heaven as your home? Hebrews 13, 14, for we don't have a lasting city, and some versions literally do say home. We don't have a lasting home here, but we are seeking the home which is to come. That's Proverbs, Hebrews 13, 14. 1 Peter 5, 11, beloved, I urge you as alien and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Why? Why are we called aliens and strangers? Because this is not our permanent home, this earth. Heaven is our home for us who are believers. And when I start talking about this and I talk about it in the idea of directions, it is interesting that in John 14, on the last night of his life, when Jesus tells his disciples he's going away from them, and he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house or my Father's home are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And John 14, 1 to 6, ironically, is just about directions. they like, where are you going, one of the disciples says. And then Jesus comes up with this famous line, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the thing. If you don't know how, if you don't know how to get home, physically, you'd be in trouble. And if you don't know how to get to heaven, you're clearly in trouble. You should be able to give directions to giving us directions, someone directions to, to heaven. I, it, it's happened in the last two weeks numerous times. It's happened in my 27 years as a pastor here too many times. We go door to door. We knock on someone's door. We ask someone, Are, you know, do you know the gospel? Oh, yeah, I know the gospel. I go to such and such church. Okay, well, tell me what, what gospel. I'm truncating it. And people look at you like a deer in the headlights. In the past two weeks, I spoke to an individual who's been going to church over 20 years from another church. I asked them, oh, so you're a believer. Oh, yeah, I'm a believer. Oh, really? Well, tell me the gospel. What do you mean? The gospel. How, do you get, how does a person get to heaven? I don't know, my goodness. And then the, the, the person they were with said, oh, it's gonna take like hours. No, it doesn't. The gospel is really simply summarized and we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 summarizing it here in a second. But we've said over and over and over, there's five subjects, right? Man's sin, the person of Christ, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, faith alone. And for you who are believers and who are attending our church, I am asking you to passionately know that like the back of your hand. And, and as a way that I wanted to do that, I have a little incentive, and where are we at? As we recognize the gospel gives direction to heaven and heaven is a real place that's described in the Bible, this is something I thought I would do and, and I came up with this. I, I, I hope it's not foolish, I hope it's not crazy, but I said to myself this week, because it really broke my heart, to have somebody tell me they were in church for over 20 years and they could not tell me how to get to heaven. I said, that's it. I don't want to be embarrassed as a pastor from our church, our congregation. And so I, I thought this would be a little fun to do. What I'm asking, to, asking you to do is in the bulletin, there's that sheet, all right? And, and it, says, it says, hey, Pastor Mike, here's directions for my home. And if you feel uncomfortable giving me directions to your home, you can say, this is my second home. I don't care if it's your barbershop or whatever. That, that's, you know, the, the, the goal of this 
is more for you to say, I know how to get somewhere, and if you can give me directions to your home, surely you can give me directions to heaven. And to make sure that you do this, what I'm going to do, Caleb Rasmussen has put together a nice little home over there. You take your sheet, you put your name on it, you fold it up, and in three weeks, maybe four, I'm going to pull it out, and I'm going to walk up to you, and I'm going to say, can you give me those five subject matters to heaven? How to get to heaven. I just want, I don't want any verses. I just want the man, I want fit man's sin, person of Christ, with the idea that he's God and man, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, faith alone. And if you do it, this $100 bill is yours. This $100 is yours. And if you're a child, if you are a child and you'll do this, okay, I will give it to you, but only if your parent can do it. So I don't want this to be just children getting this down. So a child will ask his parent over and over and over to make sure they've got this down. I am going to give this out. This is my money. This is my gift. This is out of my savings. I don't want to be embarrassed. I want to be a pastor who's faithful. And if you don't want the $100, give it to a missionary. Give it to someone. Give it to a kid. My passion is I cannot believe that people do not know how to get to heaven. We have in your sermon notes verses. My hope is that you would add to it. You would understand all of the verses that go with this. Now, you're saying, wait a second, I come here and I come here by myself. What I'm asking you to do is, okay, and I haven't asked the elders, but I would graciously ask the elders or the deacons, if you sign this and say, well, I'm going to ask Sean, or I'll ask Carl, or I'll ask Paul, or I'll ask Rolando, or I'll ask Tomas, I'll ask um, um, Grant, they'll be your backup. My person, just ask, put somebody else on there, say, hey, and then go to them and ask them, would you be my backup? Because I... I want everyone to be able to have someone that is tied to their question, their, their, their sheet. And the, the, since this is my contest, these are my rules, <laughs> okay? And, 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 and every, every person has to have a backup, meaning like for every spouse, like if I were to go to, um, if I were to go to Sarah, she should be able to say, I'm going to be able to go to Ben. Because my hope and my desire is that you're talking about this, that this is something that you're all talking about. And I want to do this especially as Carl just prayed for the soccer camp. Because when you're walking around and you're, you're talking to people, I want you to be able to say something. Well, do you believe the gospel? Do you know the gospel? And someone said, what is the gospel? Well, it's the fact that you have to understand man's sin, the person of Christ, he's God and man, Christ died, Christ rose again, faith alone. My, my, my response that I've gotten through the years is where people tell me, oh my goodness, it's so long, it's so deep, I, I, can't, I cannot give that to you. I have no idea what to say. My goodness, I have literally been able to tell this in an elevator ride. 30 seconds and then you hand them a track you need to be able to say, look, do you understand that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, is the fact that Jesus um, came because of our sin, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, um, the wage of sin is death, Jesus is God in man, his death paid dependently for our transgressions, his resurrection proves that it was paid, faith alone is the only way to accept it, by grace you are saved through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Look, my desire is 
first and foremost for you. I love you as a congregation. I want you in heaven. And a person that tells me they don't know directions, if you were to say to somebody, can you give me the directions to your home? And someone just like, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, then how'd you get here? How do you get home? And part of this is over and over and over, you go home. My goodness, someone says, oh, I am. I can't think things through. I struggle theologically. My goodness, this is so simple. This is no different than directions to your home. There's not a person that comes regularly to our church that cannot get home. <laughs> and, and you say, I know the directions. So my goodness, I, I, again, it's crazy, but you know, I thought I'd do it myself. This is me, this is my passion. And someone says, well, there's only one prize. Well, I'm gonna give out two or three extra $20 ones, I thought. So there's like consolation prizes as well. My hope, my goal, my desire is that you all know this gospel. The directions to our home is in heaven. And, and if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, if you turn there, this is the text, the scripture, that it is the basis, it is the basis of our scripture, um, of, of, of the gospel. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, there is no better place that summarizes the gospel than verses one to four. I've read books, I've read pamphlets, we have done numerous messages on it. The reason is, is because the Apostle Paul so accurately summarizes the gospel. There are passages in the Old Testament, like Isaiah 53, that is considered the Old Testament gospel that ties into what Jesus did, and that's great too. But there is no passage that brings it together, at least the key elements. Now, every element, when I say the five subject matters, are, are able to be deep, more deeply studied. But look at verse 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul says, now I make known to you, brethren. So that very first line, I, now I make known to you. Remember, we've recently studied Corinthians. Corinthians is a book where the, Paul recognizes the church is arrogant. And, and they think they know everything. And he's bringing up these subject matters. And he's putting them in the right orientation, the right mindset. And we know, based upon chapter 15, which we took numerous weeks and months to go through, there are 58 verses in this chapter, and the majority of the content of this chapter, one of the longest in the New Testament, is all about the resurrection body. And, but to get to the resurrection body, you have to understand the gospel, all right? So he, he is now coming to this matter to talk to them about the resurrection body, and he says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, and the word gospel means good news, which I preach to you, which also you received and which also you stand. So the, the idea of standing is where they are holding to it. This is their position. By verse two, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you. The idea of holding fast is when a person really stays with it because we know there are people who profess to be Christians, but eventually sometimes they walk away. It's not that they're losing their salvation because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, passages like John 10, Romans 8, clearly teach once saved, always saved. However, passages in the New Testament also teach there are false brethren, like 2 Corinthians chapter, I believe it's 11, where Paul talks about how they're false brethren, people who profess to be Christians, but they attacked him, they undermined him, they came against him. So the idea is we know there are false brethren. Why somebody would be acting as a false brethren is only to them, I believe. But I just want us to know when we see passages like, if you hold fast, you see that, like, what do you mean? Does it mean I could lose my salvation? No, 
but we're going to eventually see really where you stand. Are you going to hold clearly to it? So, unless you believe, he goes, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Emptiness, for, you know, and, and the idea is that you really didn't really put your trust in this. But faith is the key, and this is what we're going to get to with faith alone. So then he goes into this key aspect, for I delivered to you as of first importance. And the reason I would take out of my own savings to give $100, and what I'm asking you to do is to take your sheet, write your name on it, put it in the little house that's over there. It's a Lego house. It's really cute. And in a couple of weeks, what I'm hoping is over the next two, three weeks, you're talking about it. Your kids are talking about it. It's something you are talking about at dinner so that you can just, like the back of your hand, say, oh, man, sin, person of Christ, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, faith alone. We know the gospel. And so what I'm going to do is the Sunday after the camp, because I'm hoping that it's, this is going to carry through the camp, I'll pick this out. Then I'm going to come up to you. I'll tap you on the shoulder and I'll say, give me the gospel. Give me the five elements. I'm not going to ask for the verses. And then once you give it to me, if you get it, we go to the person that you are either, it's either your spouse or the person you've designated or if you're a child, you're one of your parents. And the idea here is I want you to have this down, not because we're trying to just get marks on a belt or something, but because I love you and I care for you and I more than anything want people to know this. I mean, it is sad when someone says they've been in church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they have no clue as to what the gospel is. So you look at that line, look at verse 3, for that which is of first importance. It's a top priority. One million years from today, it's not going to matter who won a baseball game this afternoon. It's not going to matter who had the nicest garden. It's not going to matter who had all the money in the world. You know, the whole world is talking about the billionaire, the billionaire who got blown up in the sub this week. All right? And it's really sad. There's a lot of jokes that have been going on and about, you know, uh, about this. And, but the, the reality of it is, is it's a great picture of you can be a billionaire, but you're not going to stop death coming. And the only thing that matters is, and the only thing that matters to me is, am I going to see you in a million years in heaven? And, and, and we have a world that basically, that basically is caught up in frivolous stuff, people. So let's just work through this. And I work through these five subject matters. When we talk about the gospel, they emphasize that it's good news. Why is it good news? Why is the word gospel, why does it mean good news? Or why is that the word chosen that God gave for his message? Because it is in light of bad news. And we have to remember, we just recently went through um, the book of Revelation and the second death and the fact that people were thrown into the lake of fire. And as much as we don't want the lake of fire to be real, we don't want it to be permanent, we don't want it to be irreversible, we don't want it to be painful, we don't want people to be cognizant of what they're going through, all of those matters. When we study the lake of fire, it is, it is, it is clear that it is painful there's weeping of gnashing of teeth it is a place where there once you're there you're there forever once you are there you are alone once you are there it is a place of darkness it is the worst news it is bad news but the gospel means good news it is the news by which people are saved saved from that judgment and and, and look 
My hope, my desire is that people get this. And so on your sermon notes, there's no fill in the blanks because I just want this driven over and over and over. And we're going to go through the first three today. We're going to go over first points four and five next week. And my hope is just that this becomes so commonplace to you that if you are in a situation, you are meeting someone, you're walking, you're just crossing paths, somehow, some way that you could have a quick conversation and just say, listen, you need to know this gospel about man's sin, Christ's person, that he's God in man, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, here's faith alone. Here's a track, here's something, because you want to go deeper, because we know ultimately scripture, working on a person's heart is what's going to change them. My hope is when you get these down that all of a sudden you'll start to memorize the one or two verses per every subject matter so that it becomes so, again, second nature to you. So we go in, number one, okay? Look, where did we pull this from this text? From verse three, the apostle Paul says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, Christ died for our sins. The word sin means to miss the mark, all right? That word there. To not hit what God wants. We have two passages, Romans 3.23, that always shines in this section, okay, that all have sinned. But there's also passages like Romans 5.8. And that's what I want to say. I mean, if you want to be a theologian and you want to go deeper, every one of these subject matters, you can go on and on and on and on. When we did um, a recent study, I went through um, about 15 Old Testament words that reference sin, and there's about another 10 to 15 that are New Testament words. And what am I talking about? Words like that represent iniquity, lawlessness, um, evil. Those are all words that describe sin in some capacity. So missing the mark, stepping over the line, those are all different words that reference sin. And we always want to let people know everyone's a sinner. The Bible is very clear. If somebody says that they are not a sinner, then they're lying. And what also it indicates to me is that either, um, well, I can't always tell if the Holy Spirit's working in their life. Maybe they're lying and the conviction is really high. But you can definitely pray that if someone says, I'm not a sinner, then you've got to pray that God is going to start with that. Because yet we've all thought about this. And I don't know if you've done it with this concept of the direction, but what do we say when someone's recognizing they're a sinner? You are lost. What do you mean lost? Directionally, you're lost. You're in a bad position. You don't know where, you know, you're, 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 you're not where you should be. You're lost. And someone needs to get lost so that they can be found. And the idea of starting with sin is just one way. Look. God never says you always have to start with man's sin. You never, you can talk about how great Christ is, how wonderful Christ is, he's God, he's man, and then go in, he came because of our sin. Look, I just put this as a way for my own memorization, but I want you to always recognize there's no order. But clearly you can all go through, hey, sin is lying, sin is, sin is murder, sin is adultery, and, and Someone should be able to say, yeah, I've done one of those things at one time in my life. And if someone is still struggling, you can always go to the 15 attributes of love. Because love is patient, kind, not jealous, not bragging, isn't arrogant, isn't rude, doesn't seek its own, isn't provoked, doesn't uh, forgives, doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, rejoices in truth, bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. 
You can go to somebody and say, listen, have you ever been impatient with someone? Well, that's a sin. Being impatient, it's hard for people to grasp sometimes that impatience would be enough to send me to hell. Yeah, if eating a fruit from the middle of a garden can send you to hell, being impatient will send a person to hell. We need to let people know because there are people who are good people in the community, but every once in a while, they'll just be a little irritated. Once in a while, they'll be a little bit aggravated. Sometimes they'll be holding grudges they won't forgive. All of those are violations of love. And remember, love is righteousness. And the idea is we, we, you, if you get into this, how deep you can begin to understand. With being a sinner, it puts you in a bad spot. And I hope it's not too offensive, but that's an electric chair. And the second verse is Romans 6.23, that death comes about it. Physical death becomes about sin. And, and, and because of the fact that because of the fact that sin is also going to bring about a physical death, it will bring about a second death. We would never have known about that. It's a second type of death unless God told us about it in Revelation 21 and 22. But it is where we learn about hell. And it's so important when you study sin, sin, again, for those who want to take a step back and you want to go deeper theologically, the study of sin is the study of harmardiology, coming from the Greek word um, dealing harmard, har, har, harmono, I think it is. Um, it is the idea of taking that and using the ology, the theology of studying sin. And you study this sin, and when you realize that sin is so bad, it cannot be paid for it because if the bible says in romans 6 23 the wage of sin is death this is why you cannot fix sin with lighting a candle doing good works having church attendance one of the things i struggled with when i first even got here as a pastor 27 years ago is awards were given out for people who had perfect church attendance and 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 and, and i'm not want to say that you can you know that's bad all right but there's reason sometimes people are sick and they can't make it and and, and I just hate to think that sometimes people think, hey, I've achieved perfect attendance and I'm in a good position with God. The reality of it is, is that, look, if people need to take vacations and people need to take, get a rest and not come on a Sunday morning, we're all for that here. I mean, I, I, my, I'm more concerned about your mental health. But the reality of it is, is I don't want anyone ever to think, oh, I've come and I've been perfect with my attendance. Give me a badge. Because that isn't what gets you to heaven. That doesn't get you right with God. The, the only thing that, that pays off the sin that you owe is a life. And, and, and so, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I, okay, I know where I'm going like this. So the idea is, is that I want you to realize how important it is to, to, to communicate to someone the problem. And that they need to be able to pay their debt. And their debt, when they stand before God, is a soul, their soul. And if their soul is marred, this is where we get into the idea of perfect sacrifice, why Jesus has to be perfect, is that they can't pay the penalty. Now, when I was a kid, you know, know, we didn't have GPSs. We didn't even have, you know, Google Maps or Apple Maps. When we got lost, we really got lost. And, 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 and I can remember some of my worst experiences as a child was growing up when I had a parent that would just get so frustrated when they got lost. 
And one of the things that I've realized is that there are a lot of men who are unwilling to ask directions. And it takes humility, right, to ask directions. And for maybe for a lot of guys, they won't ask directions. And it's easier now that you just got your phone, you put it in there, and you say, okay, now I can ask, I can get directions. But my purpose in bringing this up is, listen, you know, you know if, you, if you are lost, you ask for directions. And, and this is what you want to get people to understand. They're lost and they need directions. And one of the things that you can do with people in the starting point and getting them to understand their loss is get that little marker, you are here. I am so old that I remember when malls were first coming on the scene, okay? And I know malls with like 100 stores are becoming almost passe. It's not the cool thing anymore. But there are still a few places around the country where you can go to a, a, a mall and there's maybe 100 different stores. But when we first started going to malls, you would go to the mall and they would maybe put a map up and you try to figure out, okay, I'm here by this shoe store, I'm here by this clothes store, how do I get over here to, the, you know, to this other store that I wanna go to? And eventually, eventually what happened is you can go to these places and now they put a little red sticker, right? You are here, you are here, so you know where you're at. And then you can find your way easily through the mall. Man's sin, you are here. This is what you want people to understand. This is where they're at. The second topic of the gospel is Christ alone. This is just a king. It's not Christ, just a king. The idea is a king comes to help you. And you look at verse 3 there. It says, for I delivered to you as a first importance that Christ died. Now, Christ in this is Jesus Christ. And Christ is not a last name. It's a title. But we need to recognize he's a man. Matthew chapter 1 that Jesus was born. Luke chapter two, you can add, Jesus was born. Why does Jesus have to be a human? Because the penalty is the death of a human. This is why if someone says, hey, I've been a good person, and I've told you numerous times of sharing the gospel, and someone's told me, I'm a good person. Well, being a good person doesn't pay the penalty. A person, uh, the penalty is death, and it's death of a human being. This is what distinguishes us from angels. Angels cannot get saved, ever. God, from my perception, had made a choice. Do I become an angel? For all the fallen angels, we know that one-third of the angels went with Satan, or do I become a human? Well, to the extent that he had a choice, God chose to be human, and he became a, he became a, 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 a man. And that's why, second, you look at the point, God is man. All right, Matthew 1.23, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, Word was with God. We are distinguished from the cults who believe that Jesus was a man who became God. We, we think that's a lie. Jesus was God who, became, who came to earth as a man. And that is vital. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, you don't go into the kingdom of heaven. You've got to realize how important that doctrine is and how to get it straight. But I'm just asking, when I ask you, do you know the gospel, that you just say, the person of Christ, he's God and man. That's all I'm asking for now. But every one of you should be able to say, my goodness, if I just remember Matthew 1, John 1, that I know a passage that tells me about how the deity of Jesus Christ is. If I just remember the birth of Jesus Christ, an old Christmas story, I know about his humanity. But a passage that we all need to know 
Acts 4.12, and I asked a series, a bunch of Christians this this week, and it was shocking. I'm not want to embarrass anybody, but it is, was shocking to me. People at our church, I asked, do you guys know what Acts 4.12 says? And they said, no. Listen, I'm telling you, if you were in that meeting when I asked that question, that is something you got to reorient. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That's the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. That is a critical passage. That is something that I think everyone needs to know. If you're a believer, you need to know, as well as John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Listen, man's sin, person of Christ, he's God and man, all right? Every one of us can get that down. You can get your directions home. You can get into, you can get this gospel down, all right? And so I want you to understand If you were going on a trip and you were going through the wilderness, you would want a guide. Jesus is the guide. Jesus is the guide that, if I had to illustrate this, he is somebody that is taking you on a trip. Now, if any of you have some summer plans and you're going to go downtown, you're going to go to the the museums, whether it's the Museum of Science and Industry or you're going to go to the art museum, when you go downtown, every once in a while, you will see a group of people who are being led by a guide. And that guide will have maybe 6 to 15 to 20 people. And he'll have a pole. And on top of that pole, he will put like a, like a, like a, like a flag or he'll put a balloon. And it's red so that, what? So that people could see him. And, and that guide will maybe take the people from the Science and Museum, the Museum of science and industry and they'll maybe take them to the field museum then they'll maybe take them to the art museum and they'll take the whole day and they'll go on that go on an excursion through the entire day and as they go from place to place to place to expediate it that guide pays the price for the tickets he buys the tickets ahead of time and i thought what a great illustration because for us jesus is our guide isn't it interesting that hebrews chapter 12 says focus on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith Isn't it ironic that you can say, Jesus is the one that paid the penalty for my sins? And we're clear on this, that Jesus died for the whole world. We're going to be doing a study of 1 John, and it's clear that Jesus died for everyone. It is so clear that Jesus died for everyone, but his death is only applied to the people who believe, and we'll get to the concept of belief. And and there's there's not an accident that Jesus is called the Passover lamb. And the idea of the Passover lamb is you kill the lamb, right, for the exodus. You kill the lamb. You got his blood. But if you said, I'm not putting that over my doorpost, the angel of death would have come and he killed you. But God wanted us to understand an application with the idea of the Passover lamb that you not only had to kill the lamb, but then you had to apply it. And people who hold to the doctrine of limited atonement just don't understand that. And they get into this thing with logic where they don't understand that, that there is this concept where God is looking for it to be applied. So God so loved the world, and you cannot manipulate the word world, but we'll get into that later. The idea is that it's Christ alone, Jesus alone, his man and God, okay, can pay the penalty for your sins. And then lastly, his death. Look at, look at again, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. So you see that. Why is it that he was buried? Because they, there was so many lies. And at, I say resurrection time, Easter time, there's, there is ongoing pastors who give sermons about 
how the swoon theory didn't work, meaning that there's lies out there that Jesus just passed out on the, on the cross, or it wasn't really Jesus who was on that cross. It was somebody else. Those are all lies. The reason Paul puts in verse 4 that he was buried is the fact that he actually died. And, and his death is the payment. His death is that which pays it for us. Um, when we look at the idea of, of studying this death, we call it the substitutionary atonement. Now, I didn't tell you, I, I forgot, when we study Christ, if you want to go deeper into Christ, there's so much theology uh, of, of, from, like, you can go through the Old Testament and look at how Jesus walked on earth before he became a human. And I always say, why didn't Jesus, like in, in Joshua chapter 5, when he's talking to Joshua, when Jesus, we believe it's Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, why didn't he say, hey, here we are, Joshua, we're right outside, outside Jericho, it's about 20 miles north of Jerusalem, why don't we go down and just crucify me now? So that we'll pay for the sins of the world, we'll set the world going straight. Yes, it's 1,500 years before I'm going to be on the cross, but let's just get it done early. Well, the reason is, is because Jesus wasn't a human yet. He was just God walking on earth. All right? And, and, and so that's all a study of Christology and, and the appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. You can go so deep on that. But I'm just getting you try to get the simple stuff of, hey, he's born as a, a man in Matthew 1, John 1, that he's recognized as God. So then we come to his death. And, and, and I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. Speaking of the Father, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was reckoned as one who, who was a sinner. And the only reason Jesus died is because our sin was put on him. The only way that Jesus could ever die, you know, you can get into some high, some just weird scenarios, like if Jesus was shot, would he have died? No, I don't, because death only comes when you sin. And, and, and it's not until he's on the cross, but even the cross couldn't kill Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives up his body. Jesus is the one who says it's finished. Jesus is the one who makes the decision. And, and the idea, though, is that God the Father looked at Jesus as if he was a sinner. And we should just marvel at this. We should contemplate the reality that a million years from today, we will be in a place called heaven, not because we earned it, not because we did anything, not because we gave a cent to God, not because we did one good work, but because he went to a cross and paid a penalty that we never could. And, 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 and there's a reason when we studied Revelation that the holes in his hands were still there. God must want us to always be thinking of this so that we never forget what he did for us. And all four gospels have his death recorded. And I want to read one other passage, Hebrews 7.27. If you'll turn there, Hebrews 7.27 Hebrews 7, 27. This is speaking about Jesus. And you know, if you, you want to study about the Jewish faith, you study the book of Hebrews. It gets into so deep, the, all the stuff about the temple and, and the sacrifice system and, and how God was using this to get us to understand what happens when a person, um, when, when Jesus is our substitute. And we call this our substitutionary atonement in verse 27 
Well, I'll pick up from verse 26. It says, where it's fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and for, then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. All right. So I need directions, right? And directions to me, if I want to get home to heaven, I want to go to the cross. I want to go to the cross. And when you go to the cross, watch this. You don't go left, right. You don't go right. You don't go left. You kneel. You kneel at the cross. And you believe upon what Jesus Christ did. So my hope, my desire, is for you all to realize, no matter where you're at, the gospel saves. You're never too lost to be saved. No one that you know who is so vile, so wicked, and as you get older, you know too many people who are vile and wicked. But God can save anybody. And if you want to go home to heaven, the only way to get there is to know the gospel. If you want other people to get to heaven, the only way to get there is to know the gospel. The directions of man's a sinner, Christ person, he's God in man, his death, his resurrection. And we're going to talk about this. I'll keep reiterating this. How many people share the gospel and they'll say, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and they leave out the resurrection. We kind of tell people the hope. We'll talk about that more next week. But then you want to talk about faith alone. Now I can sing about take me home country road, sweet home Alabama, but I want to sing about heaven. And I want you to be singing about heaven. I want you to be thinking about heaven. And I want you to want other people to join you. And I got to tell, like when I told this person two weeks ago, I said, if you can't tell me how to get to heaven, I don't think you know how to get there. Just like you can't, if you can't tell me how to get home, you know, how could you really get there? But you know it intrinsically. And nobody here should, should not be able to tell me how to get home. Look, again, the, 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 this thing about getting home is more just to get you entered into this thing so that I'm getting you to talk about it because my passion is for us as a church, us as a church to be people who know this like the back of our hands. Man sinned, the person of Christ, God and man, death, on the, death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, faith alone. I'm asking you to memorize it. I want you to, don't want to be embarrassed as a pastor. I want to be found faithful as a pastor, okay? And again, it's my money. This is never going to come across the church budget. It's never going to come as a church submission and you get reimbursed. It is my money because I hold this that important. And I hold my responsibility as a pastor that important. And I'm hoping this is spurring people to talk about it and to think about it. And if you want to invite people next week to come and they want to enter, that's fine with me. I just ask you that you enter one time, but my goal is just to get people talking. And, and there's another one of these maybe coming in a couple months that I'm kind of thinking, you know, we'll, we'll do this where you get an unbeliever to, to do this as well with you and tell them if you can come through with $100, you know, for uh, you know, this, you'll get $100. I give you $100, I'll give them $100. Listen, I, 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 taking that passage out of Luke has been the thought on my mind how to use my money wisely, how to get ready to face God and say, Mike, were you wise with your money? And I can't think of a better way to invest it than in this project here 
and many other projects that get people to know the gospel. And I want you to be people, to find yourself with all the people you love in heaven because you know the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you that there's a hope. And, and as we're all honest and we all look at ourselves and we all look at our lives, it's just amazing that you saved any of us. We look at the immorality, we look at the lies, we look at the things that we've done in the past, and God, there is no merit for us who are believers, but yet you died for us. And now God, maybe there's even somebody here today that's never put their trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe today for the first time they started really thinking through matters of the gospel. Maybe today they've thought, you know, I've been coming to church for 10, 20, 30 years, but I really have never committed to Jesus Christ in the gospel. I pray, God, if they do, that today the veil comes off and they do believe. Help us, God, to be very fruitful with this outreach that we're having with soccer camp, but more so help us to be fruitful in life. I pray, Lord, that we will be a church that knows and proclaims the gospel. Amen.